Welcome to Good People, Cool Things, the podcast featuring conversations with entrepreneurs, writers, musicians, and other creatives. I'm your host, Joey Held, and today's guest is Ashley Buggy, a solo mom of three who's traveled to 13 countries and countless states with her kids, and she recently published a memoir based on her life with her husband before he passed away called Always Coming Back Home, an emotional tale of love, adventure, tragedy, and hope that just came out last week. So we're going to be talking about that. But because one book, not enough. Ashley has written a second one with the help of her children that's about managing grief called Ahuihu Until We Meet Again. She's also started a podcast. She's working on a third book, and we are great karaoke fans, each of us, which uh, we're going to have some some good karaoke fun on there. All kinds of wonderful stuff. If you'd like to get in touch with Good People Cool Things, you can reach out via email, joey at goodpeoplecoolthings.com, or on Facebook or Twitter, or the brand new Instagram. So give us a follow on Instagram, GPCT Podcast on all of them. Responsive on all of them, but Instagram's the most exciting because it's the newest. It's always fun. You can also shop goodpeoplecoolthings.com slash shop. We're not trying to reinvent the wheel with the URLs here. Very simple. Very simple. So let's get started. Ashley, tell me all about you and your elevator pitch. And more specifically, what kind of elevator are we on? Um, It would be like elevator karaoke, whatever music was playing. I would probably know the lyrics. I would probably start singing it. And there's a good chance there'd be some dance moves as well. So yeah, <laughs> elevator karaoke. <laughs> awesome. So a follow-up to that then, do you have a karaoke song oh, like a go-to? Absolutely. Tom Petty won't back down. That is like... Excellent. Yeah, it's my jam. Thank you for having a good song that's not overplayed as your gift. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. What's uh-huh. yours? I really don't know if I have a go-to. I used to host karaoke when I lived oh, in LA. KJ. And so, yeah, KJ, thank you for knowing <laughs> the term. It's great. And so I, I feel like uh, when you do that, you kind of, uh, you see people come in and they'll have their go-tos and you you hear a lot of the same songs. Yeah. Uh, always a little, uh, you know, a little obnoxious if I don't like the song, but I like most music. So it's, yeah. it's usually not too bad. Uh, I guess if I had to pick one, uh, I did a karaoke contest one time and won second place. So I got $50 for uh, performing the song My Band by D12, if you're familiar with that song. It's Eminem's band. Okay. Or I guess his his group, I should say, is the technical term. They even say in the song, we're not a band, we don't play instruments. (laughs) And so I guess that would be my go-to if I had to. Uh, I'm also a big fan of... Uh, Since You've Been Gone by Kelly Clarkson and yeah. Roses by Outkast because there's a lot of like yeah. call call and repeat. I like it. Yeah, you can get down with some Kelly Clarkson. Huh? Maybe after the recording, we'll get, we'll do some uh, Zoom Zoom karaoke. <laughs> okay, so we'll we'll definitely get karaoke uh, into the mix. But can you give us just a quick overview for for everyone listening? We we already know what elevator we're on. It's a festive one, and it's yeah. wonderful. Yeah. But who's who's on it? I mean, do I get to pick anyone or is it just me and now I have to tell you all about me? Tell us about you, but then also pick two other people that you think would be good karaoke. It's us two and two other people. All right. Ooh, this is a fun day. I guess they don't they could not like karaoke and we could make it very miserable for them. <laughs> uh, so 
it's, I mean, it's up to you. <laughs> that honestly probably sounds a little bit better than people that we know, really. Uh, okay, yeah, about me, this is going to actually probably bring this conversation down just, just a smidge, but um, <laughs> I am Ashley Buggy. I'm a military widow. I'm a writer. I just had my first book published actually uh, this past week. It's called Always Coming Back oh, Home. Congratulations. Yeah, thank you. Um, so it's been quite the roller coaster of a week, uh, all the emotional highs and lows. I write about um, my husband and my life together. We, we lived kind of a, I don't want to say unconventional life, but definitely a life of adventure and travel. And uh, we traveled the world together as a couple and with our young kids. We brought kids into the mix during all of that. Um, we lived as a military family in Hawaii, so overseas for a little while. We sailed, we scuba dived, um, kind of just lived this really incredible life together. And then he passed away in a scuba diving accident when I was six months pregnant with my third child uh, living in Hawaii. So uh, this first book is basically all of that combined into a, um, a memoir. And then I also helped my now three children write their story. Uh, it's called A Hui Ho, and it's a child's perspective of losing a parent as well. So that'll be out October 20th. And in between all of that, uh, I do karaoke sometimes. <laughs> I, uh, I've got a podcast called No Bucket List where I interview and talk to explorers and adventurers from around the world about living a life with no bucket list. So throwing that thing away and instead setting goals and taking action to meet those goals. And so I get to talk to some really cool people. Uh, and I raise three kids in the mix. So I stay busy. I stay a little bit busy. <laughs> yeah, you've got a couple things going on, it sounds like. <laughs> yeah, a few, a few. The funny part is, I don't know if this is funny or if I should be embarrassed about it, but people ask, you know, who are you? What do you do? And I go through this this list of projects that I'm on. And then they're always like, and you have three kids. I'm like, oh yeah, and I've got three kids <laughs> raising children by myself and all of this as well. So yeah, that's me. Um, I would definitely want to have a stranger in the elevator with me for that karaoke. I love just talking to strangers and getting to know them. Sorry, my neighbor's dog is out there barking. Oh, no worries, no worries. Um, <laughs> Live action, right? This is yes. times of COVID. Home, home style. My interview. dog does the same thing, so I, yeah. <laughs> I fully empathize. <laughs> uh, definitely a stranger, and I feel like I'm tempted to say my best friend, but she's really, really, really bad at karaoke, and it would just be miserable for all of us to have her in there. <laughs> and she knows that. Casey, if you're listening you know this. <laughs> but she is fun entertainment. So maybe, maybe we'll say Casey. Casey and a stranger. Excellent. Excellent. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I think the, I think the bad performances have a certain charm, especially if the person embraces it. Like if they know there's oh, no, yeah. there's no talent scouts in the room here. Like we're all just <laughs> trying to have fun. Like let's, let's yeah. embrace it. Let's dive in. For it. sure. For sure. Wonderful. So you've, you're now have written two books that are coming out. One already out, one coming up. Was this always in the cards? Maybe not the topic itself, but to write books? Or was that something that life threw at you and you said, all right? <laughs> yeah. I am one of those people who has done a lot of stuff. I've got this crazy life resume. I'm, I've got these little like things that I've done. I've worked in a prison. I've 
uh, worked on the streets of Crown Heights in Brooklyn volunteering. I've worked at, I managed a bank for 10 years. I've been an EMT. Like I've done all these things that don't make any sense to anybody, but they've collectively kind of prepared me to be a storyteller of sorts. Um, so no, being an author was never that like, <laughs> I'm going to go to school to be an author. I went to college to be a history teacher. <laughs> um, but life happens and the place that I was at when this specific event happened, I needed to write. It was it just inside of me, I was consumed and overwhelmed with sadness and emotion and I needed an outlet to get it out. And that happened to just be this blog that I started. Um, and I just started pouring out my heart and soul to whoever would read it and got enough encouragement and support along the way to eventually turn that into now a book and then the kids book. And I actually just finished my second book um, this two weeks ago. I just finished Goodness. writing it. So, <laughs> I know, I know. <laughs> so yeah, it was never, never like I, I want to be an author someday. It was, I need to get this out of me in the form of writing. And now, now here I am. Awesome. Yeah. I think writing is such a cathartic experience for, for yeah. anything. Like it, even like you were saying, like whoever would read it, even if no one's reading it, like sometimes just getting it out, writing it down or typing it out, if that's your your preferred method. I still like the OG if I'm like, I don't know if I want anyone to see this. I kind of like, <laughs> I'll, I'll do a little writing uh, and then see if I can read my scribbled handwriting later. Yeah. No, seriously, this past week I was signing books at the book launch party. I was signing the writing stuff and signing them. And even I was like, I can't even read what I just wrote. It is a good thing <laughs> I don't like hand write stuff. Like this is terrible. <laughs> That's part of the joy too. It's just like what something about dry cleaning or like you can't yeah. you can never make it out <laughs> afterwards. Yeah. I still this is a an extreme tangent, but uh, the very first baseball game I ever went to was a Chicago Cubs game. They were playing the Pittsburgh Pirates, and I went down and there was a guy signing autographs. I didn't recognize him, but I'm like it's a major league baseball player. That's cool. And he yeah. signed it and I couldn't really make it out. I thought it just said like John Smith or I honestly don't even remember the name, but I remember going through the entire program and I couldn't find the player in there. And I was just like, this is so illegible <laughs> that I don't even know who I just got an autograph from. So if someone, I think one person in life has asked me, hey, have you ever gotten an autograph from someone? And like, Yes, I've gotten more later, but my very first one, I don't know who it's from. And yeah. for all I know, it could have been a guy just wearing a baseball jersey. He might there not you have go. even it's like the, the team water boy or yeah, something. Yeah, he's not even a real player. Just someone snuck on the field. <laughs> so it's wild. It's wild out there. Now, you mentioned how you don't live with a bucket list, which I think mm -hmm. is a delightful way to go about life. Again, was this something where where you like had a bucket list in the past and then you're like, no, life's too short. I'm just going to live in the moment and set my goals for now and, and get them done. Or have you always just maybe you saw the movie bucket list with uh, who's in that Jack Nicholson and Morgan Freeman, I think. And you're just yeah. like, <laughs> too old like, not for me. Yeah, I'm feeling it. I'm feeling it. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I've always really kind of been adventurous and spontaneous and a terrible planner. Um, in fact, for all my travels, I've traveled through 30 countries of the world at this point, and everyone's like, oh, you must be really good at planning. Like, you know, do you make an itinerary? Where are you gonna go? What are you gonna see? And I'm like, 
like the reason that I do stuff like that is because I don't overthink it. I don't over plan. I recognize like this is an opportunity and I need to jump on it now before the opportunity is gone. Um, so I've kind of always, at least in my adult years, lived that way, that philosophy. Um, but then when my husband and I were married, uh, when we got orders to move from Washington state to Hawaii, he decided he wanted to sail our, we had a 36 foot yellow sailboat and he decided he wanted to take the opportunity to sail our boat from Washington to Hawaii. It's a 21 day journey. Everything that could have gone wrong went wrong on that trip, but he and his three crew members made it alive and stories to tell. Um, and while he was on that journey, he kept a journal, a blog, um, and he talks, he makes this statement about uh, living a life with no bucket list that, um, you know, life is just too fleeting. Tomorrow's not guaranteed. So just get out there and take advantage of these opportunities. And after he passed away, I, at his funeral, I handed out his, this journal that he kept on this, on this voyage. And just those words kind of kept coming up and hearing his voice talk about it and, and the way that we lived our lives together. Um, they just kind of really stuck out to me. So I never had a term for it before, um, you know, adventurous and spontaneous and irresponsible probably at times, but uh, never a, a coined term. And now, now I have one. And now it's just amazing to just say, you know, throw it away. Just go like, what do you want to do? Don't, don't put it on a bucket list. Like just say, you want to go sail across an ocean? Okay, start planning today. Start making your goal. You want to run a marathon? Okay, get out and start with a walk around the block. Like, just set these goals and start doing it uh, and take action. I th you touched on something that I think is really cool is like, yeah, it's it may have been rough while they were doing it, but they got so many great stories out of it. And yeah. I found that to be so true with travel. Like, there's plenty of times I can look back and in the moment I was like, this sucks. Like, yeah. this this thing I you know, thought I was going to do got canceled. And now I had to like trudge around for a month or not a month. That's a long time. Like, a, you know, a mile and a half or something to find, uh, to find something else to do. But then that thing ended up being great. And it's just yeah. like, it's, I agree. I have yeah. a little itinerary, but I'm like, let's, let's just see, see what's going on here. Yeah. yeah you just have to kind of live in the moment and embrace whatever happens and recognize as long as you're safe and healthy, everything else is just, let it happen. Like, see where it goes, see where it takes you. This past, last summer, not the one we just had, the summer before, um, as part of, so I lost my husband in May 2018. I was pregnant. I'll save you all the, the details, but if you do want to read my book, it's out there. You can read the details in it. Um, but I knew that I needed, I needed an outlet. I needed to have something to look forward to, something to bring myself out of this depression something to build my confidence back up that I could raise three kids on my own and live this life that I had wanted to live and planned to live and was living prior to losing Brian. Um, and so it ended up being planning this trip through Europe with all three of my children, um, ages four, two, and not even a year old yet. She was about 11 months when we left. Um, and we spent two months traveling through eight countries of Europe with all three kids. And you better believe stuff came up along the way that I was not prepared for. Our very first touchdown, we flew from New York to Amsterdam, got to Amsterdam. And as you'll read in my book, I booked our Airbnb and our shuttle for the wrong day. It was Brian's birthday. I was emotional. 
there's a it was a red eye flight plus a date change and in whatever headspace I was at when I was booking this trip just oh, like missed a whole day and so we got there and didn't have anyone to pick us up didn't have a place to go and it would have been very easy to just get overwhelmed frustrated say oh my god I've got two months ahead of this the, my friends that were with me I had two really good friends traveling with me to help with the kids like they'd never left the country before they should have been like where who are what are you what's happening who are you why would you do this but instead I just kind of walked away and I said okay I got to figure this out this is not that bad there's hotels all around us there's taxi cabs here people speak English a little bit Tell me I can figure this out and so I gave myself 10 minutes and made phone calls figured it out and it was great from there and it's just I think all about like assessing the situation and not getting overwhelmed or frustrated or wrapped up in what's happening but just really giving yourself the confidence that you can find a way to to problem solve yeah and I think a lot of people generally are willing to help too like if they see you're in distress yeah. they'll yeah. be like hey can I offer help like do you need directions or anything like that and it's it's a very I, those stressful situations are a very good reminder of how compassionate people can be. Yeah, for sure. And just how honestly how capable we are as humans. I think we just have a tendency to get caught up in emotion and feelings instead of just rationally thinking through and figuring out ways to problem solve. And so I think when you give yourself a minute to like be upset or feel sorry for yourself and then regroup and be like, okay, I can figure this out. You just work through it. But yeah, definitely, especially especially overseas. People are so, for the most part, <laughs> so just kind and and definitely willing to lend a hand. I've had crazy things happen overseas and people have opened up their house to us, even with kids. Like, yeah, people are amazing. Wonderful, wonderful. Yeah, I like, I, I give myself a minute to cuss into the abyss and then <laughs> yeah. get back and be like, okay, this is actually not that bad. Yeah, no, it's true. <laughs> we'll solve, <true>. yeah. <laughs> You've written, well, now two books, and then you mm -hmm. also wrote the book with your kids. Did you find there was kind of a, a different sort of process between writing a quote unquote, like for adults book and then more of a, a children's focus book? Yeah. So my two books that I've written, they're memoirs. The first one is basically mine and my husband's love story, start to finish. Um, and then the second one starts the day he dies and goes through my journey of the next year. So moving off the island, leaving our home, um, dealing with organ donation and uh, scuba diving for the first time again, having the baby by myself, um, moving back to the Northwest and then leads up and includes the trip to Europe that I took with all three kids. Those are those two books. Then the kids book was really born from when he passed away, I, I had a one and a three-year-old and was six months pregnant. And I just needed help. I needed to know how to talk to my kids about this, what to talk to them about, what they would understand, how to help them process their own grief when I was in such a state of grief. And there was really nothing, no tools out there that I had access to that I could find that depicted real kids going through real grief, talking about real feelings. It was all you know, fuzzy animals or religious connotations or psychologists or psychiatrists talking to parents instead of kids. And so there was nothing that I could find that let my kids 
see that there's other kids out there that go through this and they're not alone and it's okay to be sad because you miss your data and confused of why you can't FaceTime him, you know, and why he's not coming home and be happy that your family's now all in town and bringing you presents and just that it's a really confusing time. And so it was really important to me that my kids use their grief just like I did and channel that into something that could help other people. And so, um, yeah, I used their, their questions, their words, their stories then and now through the writing process, I, I basically interviewed them again um, to see what they remember and what they felt and what this process has been like for them past few years. And then teamed up with a publisher who helped um, put an illustrator in, in touch and, and we made the book called A Hui Ho Until We Meet Again. It's based in Hawaii. Um, and it's just really amazing. It, it's really, it's a straightforward book. It talks, it uses terms like death and dying and I miss data and I'm sad and I'm scared. Um, but it's powerful too and it's real and it's it's going to be a really amazing tool for for kids going through something like that yeah that sounds tremendously helpful one of my questions was going to be if you did you have input into the illustrations as well or was that more of like a because i know for me i'm like i can't draw yeah (laughs) at all and yeah uh, it's amazing seeing people kind of put the the half ideas into life yeah, thankfully, the publisher, Brown Books Publishing, has been just so tremendously supportive of me and of the kids and of wanting this story told as authentically as possible. And so they were really like, you tell us how you want this. Is this okay? Should it be more like this? Is, what about this? And I gave them pictures of our house, of Brian diving, of the kids, and it is it is so just accurately displayed and depicted it is it is the kid's story in book form it's crazy that is crazy <laughs> and yeah. i want to go back to um you had talked about how you got back in the water uh for the first time and i know a lot of people maybe would not do that like that's you know it's it's a traumatic event that they might just avoid for the rest of their lives so how yeah. did you overcome all that and get back into the water and go scuba diving. I kind of joke, but I don't know if I'm actually joking when I say it, is that I'm missing something inside of me that says I should have fear. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I definitely, after he died, I was like, I'm never going to dive again. I can't dive again. I have seen now firsthand how quickly an accident can happen. I can't leave my kids orphans and let their story be both of my parents died in a diving accident. And the only surefire way to make sure that that's not their story is for me to not dive. That was in my head. Um, But I was also in this just state of deep, dark depression, like the worst you can imagine. And as we came up to his one year memorial mark, this company, Living Reef Memorial, had offered to donate a Living Reef Memorial to my family, which is they take ashes or cremains um, of somebody and they mix it with cement and organic material and they form it into a reef. And then they deposit this reef on the ocean floor and it makes a habitat for the local fish and and wildlife. Um, And so as soon as this guy reached out to me and said, you know, I'd like to do this as a military family, I'd, I'd be honored to donate one to you. 
I knew that that's what I needed to do for Brian. I knew he wanted to be in the ocean. I knew I knew I needed to return him to the ocean in this way. And so I had one made for him and then it just kind of started spinning from there. I thought, well, I really want him to be in Hawaii. This is like our favorite place on earth. This is the backdrop of so many of our memories. This is where we first dove together for the very first time. Um, and so I knew I needed to get him back to Hawaii. And then I thought, okay, well, if, if I'm going to have this reef placed in Hawaii, his dive team needs to be there. So I assembled his dive team from all over the United States to fly to Hawaii and be a part of it. Um, I even talked to the guy who had purchased our yellow sailboat from us when we moved to Hawaii, and he had offered to bring our family out on the sailboat that Brian sailed over to watch the reef being placed in the water. And so as the days grew closer, I'm talking like a week maybe before we were all supposed to fly out to Hawaii, I just thought there's no way I can sit on this sailboat and just watch these other people place him in the ocean and, and not be a part of it and not witness it and not see it and not get to say goodbye in this final resting place. I just, I would regret more missing this opportunity knowing I would never get it back than I would being scared to jump in that water again. And so I called a friend of mine, Eric, that was helping kind of arrange all of the um, dive team and diving stuff. And I said, Eric, I have this crazy idea. He's like, okay. <laughs> used to me at this point. <laughs> He's like, okay. And I said, I think I need to dive. I think, I think I need to do the dive. And he was like, Ash, it's up to you. You know, I support you, whatever you want to do, but don't feel like you have to do it for us. Like, just think about it. And I was like, okay, I just thought about it. I'm going to do the dive. And he was like, oh, Ashley, you've got bigger balls than me. <laughs> I was like, okay, I'm doing it. Like, I, I just have to do it. And so I messaged his whole dive team and I said, hey, this is, this is what I want to do. I understand if anyone needs to back out, you know, this is going to be a highly emotive dive for all of you. I don't want to add complexity and this other layer to it, but I need to be there to, to witness it and to say goodbye. And they all said, we got you. We're not going to leave your side. We'll hold your hand. We're going to be with you. We're going to stay with you. Make sure you get up to, to your kids. And so, yeah, on the, the one year anniversary, we took a dive boat out. My family all flew in uh, from all over the United States, O'Brien's family, and they all went out on Stay Gold, our boat, and they watched as I dove for the first time and, and uh, dove the site that he died on, um, Sea Tiger Wreck. And then we took the boat over and they watched as we placed his Living Reef Memorial in the water. Wow, that's such an amazing tribute. And yeah. I'm sure was, uh, like you were saying, just crazy emotional uh going yeah. down and doing that yeah i was i was literally bawling so the first the first dive was on this this wreck called the sea tiger that's the wreck he was di diving the morning he passed away um and so his dive team and i went down and somebody at some point had placed a flag line on there and so we placed an american flag that had been flown over with his living reef um, memorial we placed it on the, the ship the stern of the ship and then we dove you know through the wreck came back up. I was the last one up, took the flag and surfaced and just like held the flag over my head. And I was just bawling. And if there's any scuba divers listening out there, if you've ever cried at 90 feet of seawater, it is an unreal <laughs> experience. Just, it was, it was insane, but it was perfect. It was exactly what, what that memorial dive should have been. And actually, um, the next year, 
I couldn't fly out there this year because of COVID, but I did arrange a worldwide memorial dive and we had 90 divers worldwide who dove wherever they lived or wherever they were able uh, to dive that day and everyone paid tribute um, to Brian on that day. It was really cool. That's very cool. I like yeah. that, a dive. Who was the farthest away from you? Um, this year was in <laughs> Cuba. Oh, wow. Yeah. Actually, that's not even true. Egypt. <laughs> Egypt. Yeah. Crazy. Sli- yeah, I guess slightly farther. Than Cuba. Yeah. Well, I was thinking, I was thinking like North America-ish and, and his, his actual, his, one of his dive team members, Barbara Ann, uh, lives in Cuba and she dove that day. And then I was thinking of people I didn't know, but who had sent, submitted pictures that they participated in the dive. And there was a lot in, in the UK and one in Egypt too. Awesome. And you said her name's Barbara Ann? Yeah. Like, the ah, oh, what a great name. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Love it. Now I'll have Beach Boys stuck in my head. I'll yeah. <laughs> now, one of the things I like to do on this podcast is ask a question that you wish you were asked more frequently. And I feel like we've touched on it a little bit, but I'd love to hear any more thoughts on how travel has changed your perspective and your outlook on life. Yeah, I think in so many ways, honestly, I think just the confidence that it builds in somebody, international or domestic, honestly, just putting yourself out there and being outside of your comfort zone, outside of the town you live in, having to be self-sufficient, I think, especially with international travel where you don't speak the language, you might not be driving on the same side of the road, you don't know the customs or the people. Um, It just forces this sense of confidence that you have to figure it out. It's up to you to make things happen. And I just don't think anything beats the feeling of coming home from a trip and being like, wow, I just saw this part of the world that probably not a lot of my neighbors have seen. In fact, this summer, this is getting off a little off topic, but we were in Greece uh, in Santorini And we were supposed to go back to Athens and we didn't want to go back to Athens. And I thought, okay, well, we're already here. Where else should we go? You know, I I want to go somewhere. Like, let's take these five days. We're supposed to go back to Athens and go somewhere close by. And so I looked up plane tickets and I found cheap plane tickets to Malta. And so I, I talked to my two traveling companions. Actually, we had a documentary filmmaker with us at the time too. And I was like, do you guys want to go to Malta? And one of them was like, oh, what city is Malta in? And I was like, no, Malta's a country. You guys want to the country of Malta. And just stuff like that. I know that sounds silly, but like opening people's eyes to just this world out there that a lot of people don't get to see is just incredible. Um, and then on the flip side of that, bringing my kids with me. My kids are two, four, six at this point. They've already been to 13 countries outside of the U.S. They've been to at least half of the United States uh, states at this point. Like just getting to teach them, you know, we, we read about places and then we go there and they get to see it and smell it and feel it and see the people and hear the sounds. And now they've got context of what that place is like. So as they go on to learn more about it and the history, they have this memory of, oh yeah, I know, I know what that castle in Scotland looks like. Oh, I know what Auschwitz looks like. I know what, you know, these, these places, the Anne Frank house looks like because they've been there and they've had those experiences. So that's what travel is to me. That's, it's just all about stretching yourself and being open to experience and seeing how small this world really is if we let it be. Yeah. And I think from the other side of it too, is like, you're introducing other people of like, what American culture is like yeah. as well, yeah. which I I always 
think back to, I studied abroad in China and we went to a class one day of, of high school students of just kind of to, to sit in on the class and they were all asking us, oh, is, you know, X movie an example of American <laughs> life? Like is American pie like life in America? And I was like, well, not really i like my high school wasn't really like that but uh, maybe some of them are but then i was kind of like i don't really know if any show i mean this was 11 or 12 years ago now so i don't know how uh, i i'm sure tv has gotten a little closer in their accuracy (laughs) of high school um but i was just like yeah i don't i don't know if any of these are really good barometers that you should be judging but also that's probably the most exposure that they've had to any anything american I mean, what's funny is is the states are are so vast and so diverse. You put someone in Seattle and you put them down in backwoods Louisiana, and they're going to have two totally different <laughs> perceptions of what America looks like. And New York City and you know Texas, like same thing. Like it doesn't it doesn't equate for everyone, even regionally. So yeah, absolutely. And it's funny you say that because we were in actually in a couple of different places. I was shocked by, it was myself, my best friend, Casey, the one that's terrible at karaoke, (laughs) uh, the kids, Nanny from Boise Kayla, and then my three kids. And it's two girls and a boy are my children. And the amount of times that we were asked, where are your husbands? No men, no men, just, just girls. And me finally just being like, well, Hudson, he's, he's four, he's a boy. He's like, you know, our, our spokesperson, I guess. But <laughs> I w- the, the questions that we were asked, I wasn't prepared for, I guess. And, and people being like, oh, people here wouldn't do that. I'm like, people in America wouldn't do it either. I'm just, I'm just doing it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's great. Yeah. I love, I love just the, the thoughts that people will just utter out there. Oh yeah. Yeah. No filter. No. I'm the same way though. Whatever. That's no, great. Yeah. It's a good Learning way to live experience. life. It's this fine. Is, this is how we learn and how we get to know one another. There's no questions off, off limits. Exactly. Exactly. And segueing very nicely into another question. It's re- actually, it's really more of just a list. It's top three, which I always like to, to include in here. And I feel like, again, we've touched on several of them. So maybe let's do your top three life experiences that we haven't discussed yet. So no, <laughs> no uh, um, traversing the world. <laughs> no, God, I think work. I've hit the. T- I think I've hit them. I You've mean, hit honestly, them all. yeah, just the relationships that I've built. I I joke that I'm like a friend collector. I meet people and I never let them go. It can be twelve years later. Actually, <laughs> th- this is actually really accurate because I met this girl Angela in Iceland in two thousand nine and have talked to her like once or twice since 2009, you know, through Instagram and Facebook. And the day of my book launch party, she messaged me on Instagram and was like, wow, congratulations. <laughs> I mean, this is 11 years later. I met this girl for like two days. We stayed in the same hostel in Iceland. But yeah, I just, I collect friendships and people and I, I just love that. And so I think relationships in general are just like one of my greatest treasures uh one of my greatest life experiences um my relationship with brian for sure and family i guess in general has taught me more than anything i'll probably cumulatively learn throughout my life and then just this idea of adventure and exposure and 
having that chip missing that tells me I should be fearful of certain things and just going for it. The worst that can happen is I fail and that's no worse than just being where I'm at right now. So I would say that's it. That's probably a weird list, right? Are you thinking like <laughs> <laughs> the time I went to Disneyland or the time I, I don't know. I, I waited know. four hours in line for a ride that was close. Yeah. <laughs> it was great. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I think that's wonderful. And I, that's a great point too. This throughout the pandemic, I've been watching more, uh, the price is right. And let's make a deal. Uh, and particularly on let's make a deal. There's always times where, uh, someone will like pick an item. That's like, are you familiar with let's make a deal? I should ask. No. I mean, is that the one with the suitcases? No, no that's deal or no deal. Let's okay. make a deal. Wayne Brady currently hosts, and no. essentially he'll call up someone on stage. Everyone dresses up as like an added gimmick to it, so they're wearing these ridiculous costumes, and okay. he'll offer them like, "Hey, you can either take this envelope or curtain number one." And okay. sometimes they're both prizes, but they also have zonks where it's like, "Oh, it's a, a burrito car," and it's like not you can't actually use it, and you get yeah. you get nothing. That was an excellent. Uh whatever that show, TV show is called voice though. You should Thank be you. like a TV host. Yeah. Thank you. I've, I may have dabbled in voiceover work before. Uh, okay. And there's sometimes where it's like, oh, there hasn't been a zonk in a while. This is for sure a zonk behind this curtain here. The person is still just like convinced. They're like, no, that's the big prize. Like I'm going for it. And yeah. then they get it and it's like completely worthless and they can't take it home. But then there was one time where the person was like, ah, that's all right. I still got to meet Wayne Brady. I got an experience out of it, even though I didn't get anything. And I was like, that's a great way to do it. Like you're coming, even if you just walk away with like $50, that's more than you came into the show with. And the life story of getting to be on the show. Yeah, you're on the show. You're on TV. You meet Wayne Brady. You probably get to do some sort of like song and dance because they're always having people out there. It's it's a good time. It's a good time. So it's yeah. a it's a good reminder. Like, hey, what's the worst that can happen? Even if you fail, you're still. That's right. My life is the burrito car. Yeah. Really, <laughs> bring it on. <laughs> Flash forward to ten years, we're all driving burrito cars. And it's the hottest new tech for some reason. <laughs> awesome. Well, Ashley, this has been so wonderful. Always yeah. a joy. And you've mentioned your books a couple of times, but if people want to purchase. Mm-hmm. or pre-order since yeah. we're in that nice phase in between uh yeah. where can they find you or if they want to get in touch on instagram so they can hit you up in 2031 as well <laughs> <laughs> for sure when i've got my next 17 projects out there yes. <laughs> uh yeah my website ashleybuggy.com uh a-s-h-l-e-y-b-u-g-g-e.com or um i'm on facebook and instagram is ashley.buggy uh, please love to hear from you guys. Love you to check out my books, my story, my podcast, No Bucket List is launching October 1st. And that's where I'm at. Lovely. I just realized I should have done a burrito buggy instead of a burrito car. I could have, <laughs> I could have done a nice wordplay here. <laughs> I normally have a joke, uh, a bad joke for the end of the episode. Here's my four-year-old son's favorite joke. Let's do it. Knock, knock. Who's there? Boo. Boo who? <laughs> Don't cry. It's just a joke. <laughs> I like I that I was that. already laughing as I <laughs> as I said it. Uh, now I'm trying to. I also forget like which ones I've told already, but I'll just do this. This is kind of a kind of a travelish one, sort of. Uh, but what should you do when you see a spaceman? Park your car, man. <laughs> All right. I know it's not good. 
I'm going to go tell my four-year-old son he won that round. Yes, yes. 